0: 653 this is pure opelka with michael pelka only
1: on the blaze radio network welcome back to pure opelka second hour of the saturday show we're welcoming the weekend it's a memorial day weekend of course monday three o'clock We have to all set an alarm, as I did earlier on the show today. Siri set up an appointment for me, just so I get a little advance warning, making sure I'm focused on the right things. Monday, 3 p.m. in your time zone. Spend a few minutes thinking about the people who we really are supposed to honor on Memorial Day. Those who died. Those who died fighting for this country. So uh, just just make sure you remember that Um, watching a couple of stories today. I want to get back to the school story, but uh, I'll have an update on the Jared Kushner story, because despite The Washington Post and all their hand wringing and front page headline writing, uh, the intelligence sources say Kushner's not the subject of the investigation not the subject of the investigation and he is offered to testify and he's offered to talk to the FBI so boom everybody calm down president will be heading home shortly I thought we were going to get a possibility of tuning into his speech to the troops in Italy he's going to be stopping by a base in Sicily and uh, that's going to be probably in a couple hours. So I don't think we're going to get to carry it live. I was hoping we would. Uh, there's also an update out of Manchester this morning. British police say they are actually evacuating people who live in a house that's being searched in connection with the bombing. The Greater Manchester police officers, according to the Associated Press, are moving people from one area in the Moss Side neighborhood as a precaution because they believe that there, there was the, the probability that a second bomb, at least one more bomb, was made and taken to another location for possibly use in another attack. So this is the, the typical MO, of these bombers. This is the typical modus operandi. They make the bombs in one location and then will distribute them for use at a, pre- at a prescribed time for another attack. So we'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. But that's out of Manchester. Um, I, I hope they're ahead of it. I, I really do hope they're ahead of it. Hope to God they're ahead of it. When we went away, I was telling you about a story out of out of uh, a bedroom community of Kansas City, the Raytown, Missouri. And this was the really, to me, it's an odd story. To me, a guy who grew up going to grammar school in the 60s and uh, high school in the 70s, high school and college in the 70s, I, I don't understand helicopter parenting. I don't understand bubble wrapping the kids. We rode our bikes to school, we ice skated on the river to school, we walked to school, or, or occasionally we took the bus. And now if kids take the bus, the schools really kind of stress having the parents meet the kids at the bus stop and wait with the kids in the morning. I, I, I don't understand that. I guess I'm ignorant to the, the dangers of today's world. Uh, and at the local schools here... If parents don't put their kids on a bus, which many of them don't, there is a gigantic conga line of cars that has to be in front of the school to drop off and pick up the kids each day. And it's one one car, one kid, one car, one kid. And so it goes. And I don't know how parents, or I guess they have to have a helper, have the time. It just seems like it's a, a gigantic... Strain, But if the schools are that worried about liability, I guess they're going to mandate this this type of activity. But what happened in Raytown is so bizarre to me. The kids who were on bus 52 apparently drove past a crime scene where there was a dead body on the lawn. There was a body of a, a man who had committed suicide. And, and the school bus drove past it. Now, it wasn't on the side of the road near, near the kids, right where the bus came by. It was 50 feet away. And it appears to be covered. It actually appears to have a white sheet over it. At the time, the school bus is going by. There's a photo of, of the body and the bus. And I, I think it's a photo probably from a security camera or something. But um, you just have to wonder, it's a body under a sheet 50 feet from the bus and the bus goes by. And uh, the school, out of an overabundance of caution, sent a note home. First, they called all all the families of the kids that were on bus 52 to kind of alert them to what happened. And to ask them to be present when the bus comes home so the, the child can be met by a parent. And uh, they gave them instructions on, on what they should do for the kids, if, if possible. If possible. Avoid exposure to media coverage of the event. So don't tell your kids there was a suicide. Seriously. Provide positive, nonviolent activities to help them cope. Uh, do you really think any parent is saying, hey, let's get out the violent activities book today? I know it's very basic. They say during discussions about the event, listen to your child and refrain from adding details or sharing new information that may add stress or anxiety. Don't be surprised if this is a conversation that occurs several times over the next few weeks and reassure your child's sense of safety. By putting the event in context, talking about a family safety plan, emergency contact information, reminding them that school is a safe place to be. Oh, so I see. The world isn't safe, but school is. We should only trust school, right? The memo from the principal, Dr. Georgetta May, goes on to say children react differently to trauma than adults. While adults are familiar with emotions, yeah, not all. Uh, Children have to learn coping mechanisms for traumatic events. Here's the irony. The principal says children have to learn coping mechanisms for traumatic events. At the same time, in the same memo, she's instructing the parents to prevent the kids from really knowing about the traumatic events. The second item On her list at the top in the previous paragraph, the second item after please show up at the bus stop, the second item says avoid exposure to media coverage of the event. And yet in her her next paragraph, she talks about children have to learn coping mechanisms for traumatic events. But how are they to learn if we're not to let them experience it? Then she gives a list of uh, troubling behaviors to watch out for, trouble sleeping or nightmares. Well, as a child, I can tell you I had nightmares all the time because I like to watch science fiction movies, giant spiders eating cities. If your child's on edge, easily provoked or irritable, has irrational fears, fear of recurrence or fears about personal safety, loss of appetite, stomach pain, aching muscles, unable to label their feelings or emotions... Well, a lot of that sounds like a child growing up. The principal goes on to say, you know your child best, and you know how he or she relax, reacts to things regularly. Vigilance about changes in your child's normal behavior is the best measure and the best measuring stick for your level of concern. Please contact us at the school if you need assistance. Now, okay, overabundance of caution, right? Right. So you're a parent at the school, and uh, what happens? What happens? Well, some of the parents actually got this, and they were concerned about the kids, even though this was the last day of school for the school year. And um, one mom posted the story on, on social media, posted the memo on social media, saying that the school had called her and rambled on. And uh, the the report on Facebook said, finally, he got it out, saying, your child had seen a dead body today and he's with the grievance counselor. They made it like the... The mom said they made it like the body was in the street or something. And I I just think this is why... We are raising a a generation, an entire generation of kids that have no idea about reality. We are literally bubble wrapping them. And while the school is telling parents to help kids develop their coping mechanisms and and dealing with reality, they're completely shielding them from reality. A non-parent sees this. I'm the non-parent. If if you want to keep up on stuff like this, I encourage you to follow uh, my friend Lenore Skenesi. She has a website called Free Range Kids. It's all about how to how to raise safe, self-reliant children without going nuts with worry. And her her one of her mantras is kids deserve unsupervised time, some unsupervised time. She doesn't say all the time should be unsupervised. But this episode in uh, Raytown, Missouri, is just, i, I will, you know what I need to do? I need to tweet out a link to this story so you can see the picture that shows the body covered with a sheet 50 feet from the road where the bus is passing by. To prove to you, do you want to bet that probably nobody saw it or noticed it? And um, I'm guessing that half the kids on the bus went, cool. Unless they knew the home or the person who committed suicide. And in most cases, they probably did not. I'll tweet that out right now. And uh, we'll take a break and come back on Pure Opelka.
2: You're listening to Pure Opelka
1: on the Blaze
0: Radio Network.
2: You're listening to Pure Opelka
0: with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. I just posted the link to Lenore Skenazy's site, Free Range Kids, and the story that we talked about. Uh, the story of um, the school and the kids who drove past, on the school bus, drove past a body 50 feet away, under a blanket. And the school now has the kids in grief counseling and warning the parents to protect them from media reports about this. What are we doing? All right, calm down, Mike. Calm down. I get myself a little counseling here. Uh, I want I want to turn a little bit and offer... Offer some comfort, compassion, and prayers to somebody I regularly skewer on this show. Somebody I I spend a lot of time making sure uh, she's doing the right thing. At least the thing I think is the right thing. I'm talking about Mika Brzezinski. Mika Brzezinski is somebody I, I, I love to watch because I disagree with her on so many things. And uh, I keep an eye on Mika, and I have posted many, many, many stories about Mika Brzezinski, uh, mostly disagreeing with what she, what she does and how she comports herself. And last night, Mika, Mika Brzezinski's dad, Zbigniew Brzezinski, or zbig as he was known, a guy who served this country in a diplomatic fashion, passed away at the age of 89. And he was a guy who, depending on which side you were on, he was a guy who who got a lot of a lot of time in the White House, a lot of face time in the White House. He was a guy who who was respected and and disliked uh, just as you would imagine. But Z Big was somebody's dad, and. Last night, Mika posted on her at Morning Mika Twitter account. My father passed away peacefully tonight. He was known to his friends as ZBig, and it connects to her Instagram account. Now, you can disagree with Mika, but what we should do at this time in anyone's life is offer them our hearts and our prayers. Because eventually, if you haven't already been there, eventually you're going to be in the same spot Mika Brzezinski is in today. And that's the, the part of saying goodbye, saying goodbye to a parent or someone so close to you that they, they, they shaped your life. And so that's what I did this morning. I sent my public notice of, of prayers and comfort to Mika and her family. And I even wrote to Joe because uh, I've I've met them both in the past and they've actually been really friendly despite the fact that I have been and, and Mika knows exactly who I am and the articles I've written. But they also understand that at the end of the day, we're all people and we can disagree on stuff and we can do it without being disagreeable. But as I started wandering through the the responses to Mika's news about her father, I'm, I'm stunned by the people who would attack this post. And I wonder, is that who we really have become? Is, is this really what we've done? You have a, a woman, a human, a person, someone who is a daughter and someone who is also a mom, who is putting her heart out in public and saying she's had to say goodbye to her dad. And how wrong is it to attack the father and or the mourning daughter? I think it's just awful. But the other interesting thing to me, so anyone who's out there going on Mika's Twitter account or her Instagram and attacking her today or trying to smear her dad, just, just check yourself just really look in the mirror and say, is this what you want the world to think of you? That, that's really where it's got to start. I hate to pull the old Michael Jackson man in the mirror line, but really, really, if you want to go after somebody within 24 hours of the passing of their father and attack them based on the fact that you may not have di- agreed with the father and wh- what he did... Well, then I look at the diversity of people who are sending condolences and you see co-workers at at MSNBC like Chris Hayes and you see people down the channel at CNN and someone over at Fox. You see folks from every walk of the media spectrum Uh, and people like Nancy Sinatra sending condolences. Uh, The loss of a parent should always push politics to the side. Just a personal thought. So if you have the instinct today, if you hear Mika Brzezinski lost her dad today, it happened last night. It would be darn nice of you to maybe send a good thought or a good prayer. Or if you're so inclined, send her a note via Twitter. It's not going to hurt you. It costs you zero. All it does is make you a little bit better. Seriously. All right, lecture over. Mika, I hope your family heals. I she's not listening, but I'm putting it out there in the universe. It's a terrible thing to lose a parent, even if you know they're going. It's it's horrible. But it's also part of life, and it's something that we should be able to rely on each other to take care of each other. So uh, rest in peace, Z-Big. Thanks for your service to this country. We'll be back after the break. We'll get into the headlines and some of the punchlines on Pure Opelka. Come on back.
0: Puro with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Puro Pelka on this Memorial Day weekend. We still have a lot to do. There's a lot of news bubbling. Uh, we will. We will get to that. You know, there was news this week about a politician who was charged with assault, misdemeanor assault. And... Uh, made headline news, gigantic headline news, uh, mostly because it was a guy who was running for office, running to be the only congressional representative in the state of Montana, kind of a small state, not a lot of population there, so only one seat in the House. And uh, the big news was 12 hours before the polling opened, even though early voting had been going on, 12 hours before the polling opened, He got involved with a reporter and allegedly body slammed the guy, broke his glasses. He ended up winning. Gianfonte, Gianforte uh, ended up winning the election, and it was a decent-sized victory. Trump had won the state by 21 points, 20 points, and there was a prediction that a Democratic swarm of voters was going to make him lose the election and they thought surely surely after this allegation there'll be uh, a bunch of voters who rush out to the polls to make sure he doesn't win well all of the reporting on the early voting was kind of indicating that that there was no way in hell he could have what did trump say could have shot somebody on fifth avenue and his poll numbers would go up well early voting appeared to be key in pushing this election towards the Republican side of the aisle, and this is this is fine. I'm I'm happy the GOP keeps the seat. Uh, I don't know enough about this guy. If he truly did this, I don't like it at all. Uh, violence is never an answer, even to a jackwagon reporter. And as someone who's been a jackwagon journalist at some time in my life. As someone who likes to ask the tough questions, uh, I certainly don't want to be met with violence. So I don't endorse it at all, ever. The press is the press and needs to be protected. But, uh, But we'll see with this guy. But this also points out my argument about early voting. I'm not a fan of early voting in any situation. And this really highlights it. See, the Democrats have been pushing early voting forever, you know, at least a month ahead of time. They want it at least a month ahead of time so everybody can vote because everyone has to be able to vote, whether they whether they have a an ID or not, and all the stuff the Democrats always say, and they get behind this early voting. And I will tell you, I think early voting actually hurt Hillary Clinton the same way, and yet the Democrats will keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. I wouldn't mind weekend voting. We're not going to probably see a change in voting uh, right away. But you you want to bet that the early voting people on the Democratic side of things this week aren't going, you know, maybe we should rethink that whole early voting thing. Especially in the wake of of the uh, Montana election and the Jim Comey election. October 28th statements about Hillary Clinton could have it affected early voting. Maybe, maybe not, but we'll never know. I'm just, I'm not an early voting proponent, Uh, but also speaking about politicians and misdemeanor charges and um, well, let's get right to it. Woody Kane, Tim Kane's son, son of a Virginia Senator, is facing possible jail time, possible fine. He was charged with um, uh, a gross misdemeanor. Kane, who's only 24 years old, on Friday got the news that the prosecutors in St. Paul, Minnesota, were charging him with fleeing on foot, concealing identity in a public place, and obstructing the legal process by interfering with a police officer. Kane uh, was one of the people who was a counter-protester inside Minnesota State Capitol Rotunda after the March for Trump rally. And uh, this group of people was, was causing all kinds of trouble. And they, they also, many of them covered their faces. And they had goggles. And they apparently, in some cases, threw smoke bombs, fireworks, sprayed mace. Now, they're they're not saying that Cain was charged with any of that, but he is facing uh, facing some some time if he were convicted and given the stiffest of sentence. Do you want to bet whether or not uh, Tim Cain's son? The son of a former Democratic presidential candidate, vice presidential candidate, uh, you want to bet that he gets no jail time, especially in a Minnesota courtroom. Mom and dad support him and say that they hope the matter is resolved soon uh, we'll see if the linwood kane case gets as much time in the media as the uh, as the alleged uh, body slamming case does i'll bet you this is we won't hear about this again until we hear that he's been sentenced to nothing that's that's just the way it goes all right. Um, Nancy Pelosi. Did we spend enough time on Nancy Pelosi? No, there's never enough time spent on Nancy Pelosi. I want to talk about Nancy Pelosi, and she's always making some crazy kind of statement, ridiculous statement. And she's got a new one that came out yesterday. And this is this is the only way Democrats can get angry. And fight back with President Trump's trip overseas. President Trump has, I think he's had the best week since he became president, in spite of what you're hearing about the Gerald, uh, Jared, Jared Kushner news today. In spite of that, I think, I think this has been his best week since being sworn into office. And he, the, the trip to Saudi Arabia, the meeting with the Pope, the meeting with the NATO ministers in Brussels, And then the G7, and now he's going to be flying home after he speaks in front of the troops in Sicily. So I think it's been a strong week for the president. He's actually had a a decent spike in his ratings, according to Rasmussen. But Nancy Pelosi could not resist the opportunity to come after the president. This was Pelosi on her uh, regular Friday meeting. And, uh, well, it's just ridiculous. Listen to how... She tries to tear down the president's international trip. Um,
2: I have said I thought it was unusual for the president of the United States to go to Saudi Arabia first. Saudi Arabia. It wasn't even alphabetical. I mean, Saudi Arabia.
1: It wasn't even alphabetical. What? Did anyone else just stop and go, wait, what? You're supposed to go alphabetical? Really, Nancy, this is the woman the Democrats want to return to the speaker's role. This is the woman that dreams of 2018 snatching the giant gavel away from Paul Ryan. The first thing she says about the president's trip, which by virtually every account has been filled with presidential moments and has been filled with uh, successes both uh, diplomatically and actually in a little bit of policy, as he's getting uh, he's getting things done overseas. She continues. Notice the previous five presidents:
2: President Reagan, President George Herbert Walker Bush, President Clinton, President George W. Bush, and President Obama. Four of them went to Canada first, and one of them went to Mexico. George W. Bush went to Mexico first.
1: So according to Nancy, and what a wonderful command of history she had, as she held up her hand and counted the five presidents before President Trump, and she got them all right. Slight pause there, but she got them all right. She uh, she wants to point out that, that we didn't have a visit to Canada first when four of the five previous presidents went to Canada first. Well, maybe there's no major pressing business with Canada. Maybe there's no big deal. And in terms of Mexico, the president's been in contact with the the Mexican president, and the president's been in contact with the, the little Trudeau guy in charge of Canada. So maybe there wasn't a big pressing issue. It kills the Democrats that there is this much success happening for the Trumps while they are lighting fires in every corner of the White House attempting to try and push the president out. Nancy continues.
2: In our hemisphere didn't have to be in our hemisphere but our friends and neighbors. How what was the decision making process to go to Saudi Arabia first? That's a question that I have and uh, what policy flows from that. Is there further questions I'll have when the president returns?
1: And I'm sure he can't wait to sit down with you and explain why he went to Saudi Arabia and the Vatican and Italy and Brussels and then to meet with the rest of the G7. I'm sure he can't wait to justify to you because basically you're his boss, Nancy. You're in charge of him. Ah, she makes me so crazy. I gotta step away. We'll be right back.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: Pure Opelka with
1: Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just kind of wandering through the news of the day today. And I'll tell you, there's not a whole lot of breaking news going on. There was an update on the Manchester Manchester England bombing about a neighborhood being cleared out because they suspected the British intelligence suspect that the home in this part of Manchester may have been a place where the other device they believe was built has ended up. But there's not much reporting on that. Instead, the mainstream media is focused on the Washington Post allegations called uh, earth shaking last night. And the earth shaking seems to have subsided a bit this morning as people look deeper into this about Jared Kushner and some request he allegedly made to uh, a Russian ambassador about a back-channel, secret back-channel connection. Now, things have calmed down a little bit, but we'll see. Jared Kushner says he's open to talking to the congressional hearings. He'll talk to the FBI. I, you know, this, this to me says uh, I got nothing to hide. And so we'll wait and see uh, when Maxine Waters comes out and starts stomping around. And uh, we'll see if there's anything big there. Oh, I got something on Maxine Waters. I have to remind you about it. But uh, the other proof that there's not a whole lot going on in the world today is that um, the media is obsessed with Melania Trump, the wife of a billionaire, who happens to be the president, the wife of a billionaire, who happens to be the first lady. They're obsessed with the fact that Melania Trump's coat cost fifty one thousand dollars and my answer to you is what do you care if she paid for it it's her coat it's her money what do you care why do you care did you pitch the same kind of a fit when you saw a designer outfit on michelle obama did you put a price tag on everything well sometimes we did see price tags but, you know, when, when the Obamas are out there screaming about the uh, economic inequity in the country, the gap between the rich and the poor, and Michelle Obama is dressing in, in designer outfits that cost tens of thousands of dollars, nobody was grousing about it. And the Trumps who believe in the beauty of America— the wonderful thing about our, our country that we don't have a maximum wage because we don't want anybody to be limited. You never hear the Trumps talking about income inequality and fairness. They just want to open up the world of our nation to full competition. They want to take off the shackles that have been put on us over the past eight years and, and kill all the regulations that were killing our economy and hope that people will take the opportunity and thrive and survive. I think it's a great example when the First Lady pays for her clothes and is allowed to buy whatever she wants because she can. So, you know, this, this screaming, this hooting and hollering about the fact that the First Lady's wearing a $51,000 designer coat as she's out hanging out, on the trip, doing first lady stuff. It's just another juxtaprogressive move as far as I'm concerned. It's just another bit of evidence of the the duplicity, of the hypocrisy on the left. I thought the coat was kind of crazy looking myself, but I'm not a fashion guy. I looked at it and said, really, you spent $51,000 on that? And I'm wondering if Donald said that too. Or maybe he said, as long as you like it, it's fine. But my only reaction was, that's $51,000? I could have bought a really nice car with that money. All right, rant over. We'll be back after the break.
2: Pure Opelka
0: with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.